Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network with your host, Shukri Wrights, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for making this program part of your routine as here we are in the beginning of December and it feels as if more of the same. And at this point, I don't think anybody should be really surprised by what we have continued to witness over the course of the last several weeks and even the entire season when it comes to the New England Patriots. I will admit that I really was in no mood to talk about the Patriots, but something just felt compelled within me to actually talk about the Patriots on this episode, on this pod, in which that I knew that it wouldn't be a Hub of Champions podcast without me talking about the New England Patriots, and that's exactly what we're going to do. This this episode is going to be a lot of uh, just getting off my chest what I've been holding on to over the last several weeks. And I'm going to be very brutally honest here. I'm not surprised by any stretch of the imagination that the Patriots find themselves in the midst of Thanksgiving. No, I'm not talking about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The Patriots currently find themselves with within a chance of holding the, either the number one or the number two pick of the 2024 NFL draft. That's how bad the Patriots have been and have fallen to this season. That's where we are. But I'm not going to start there. I'm going to just start with just what we saw and just overall thoughts on today's loss to the Los Angeles Chargers, which they lost six to nothing. And by the way, that score is the lowest scoring NFL game since 2018. That's how bad things have gotten for the New England Patriots. It didn't matter whether if you had Mac Jones, Betty Zappi, or even Malik Cunningham under center for the Patriots. Offensively, the Patriots are just that bad. I don't know about you, but for me, Watching the Patriots at this point has become more and more like a chore. Like a chore that at first you don't mind doing, but after a while you just get tired of. I watch NFL teams, all 32 NFL teams. I love football. I don't get the sense or the feeling of watching a game that is an absolute chore as much as I do when I watch the Patriots play or even listen to the Patriots games, given that I am outside of New England now and that I'm not able to watch every single Patriots game the way that I once did, but I still listen to the games. It's become painful. It's become what would I rather be doing right now with my time than watching this complete garbage that's on the field down in Foxborough. That's what it's gotten to right now. Today was pretty much 
the lowest of the lows when you thought that it really couldn't get any worse for this team. A 6 nothing score in which that Bailey Zappi, his biggest problem was him taking sacks that he shouldn't be taking, and the offense couldn't get anything going. And, of course, the lack of talent at the skill position color me shocked. I'm not even surprised at all. I don't think anybody who, who is watching this podcast or even listening to the podcast is surprised by what we're seeing right now. And what we have been seeing is the end result of when you don't invest into the skill position players on this team. You get actual NFL caliber talent. But sticking with the main point I want to start out with right now, because I think Patriot fans have come to this conclusion a long time ago in which that this team is not fun to watch. It's just not. And you thought that it couldn't get any worse. It, it got, sure as hell got a whole lot worse on Sunday. Watching the Chargers-Patriots game became like a snooze fest in which that you're watching the Red Sox get blown out at Fenway Park. You know that your team is down 6 nothing. Nothing's going right for them offensively. And you're just resigned to the fact that this team is going to end up losing this game. It was that kind of day. Except for the Patriots, their starting pitcher, quote-unquote, was Bailey Zappi. And it meant absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Because the reality is, despite so much speculation during the week over who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the guy that gets to start, all this hush, hum, hmm, quiet, keep things close to the vest down in Foxborough, it meant nothing. Because all it is, all it was is just you putting lipstick on a pig. All it was was it was a different clown under different clown costume clothes. That's exactly what it was. And if it sounds like that I'm, that I'm unloading on this team, I'm actually being pretty mild right about, right about now because you you can't think of any other way that the Patriots can let you down. I mean, <laughs> what else is there to say about, about this offense? This offense showed absolutely zero. And when I say zero, I mean absolutely zero threat in terms of the passing game. Running the ball, oh, forget about it. And it doesn't help matters at all that Ramondre Stevenson sprained his ankle. That didn't help matters at all. But what I will tell you is this. What I will tell you is that it just seemed as if that the people who were watching the game today, and for me personally, even just listening to the broadcast, it just came to the acceptance that this is pure hot garbage and we have to endure the rest of whatever that is left this season because this is what it has come to and this is what it will come to over the course of the last five games of the regular season, because this is this is where we are now. We are now at the point in which that we can't even go on a rant. We can't even go um, on an epic 
you know, blow up without sounding like a complete dumbass because everybody knows locally, nationally, this team is truly a garbage tank that has been completely lit on fire that is just floating around somewhere in Boston Harbor with no end in sight. That's what this Patriots team is. And it sucks that we've come to this point, but there's really only one man to blame. And I'm going to talk about Bill Belichick now because he is the lame, the lame duck basically sitting at the front of the, the duck boat that rolls down Charles River. He's basically that, that guy. He's the lame duck who's basically on the, on the way of getting completely railroaded. By who, Stone, do you ask you? Oh, by Robert Kraft and, and understandably so. At this point, I think everybody knows it's inevitable. Bill Belichick is going to be gone. He should be gone at season's end. Because at this point, with everything that we have seen and witnessed, everything that we have taken into full account from training camp, from day one of training camp, all the way up until now, at the conclusion of week 13, we all know that this is completely Bill Belichick's undoing. The days of excuses are long gone. We have, we have now 12 games that we've watched, that we've listened to, of, of pure evidence that you can't even, you can't even deny anymore. The lack of talent in the poor roster construction. Man, I can't I can't think of the last time that the Patriots were truly this bad in so many key critical areas of the game. Many people would say, well, early 90s. That was almost 30 years ago. We're talking about going back to the days of when the Patriots would go one and fifteen or in 1998 or 2 and 14 in 1992 again 30 years ago there's an entire generation that doesn't remember that i don't remember that i was born in 1991 we have not had a season this bad we can go back and look at the 2020 season but even the 2020 season it paled in comparison to this at least there was a competent offense in 2020 for the Patriots, despite Cam Newton not being able to throw the ball down the field anymore. At least there was some skill at the skill positions on this team, despite um, um, Julian Edelman being at the end of his career. He had the season-ending injury against Seattle, unfortunately. But there was still skill at the key positions on at to some degree now all i'm seeing is essentially a wasteland that is far more bigger and far more egregious than than some of the worst marshlands in new england and new england's pretty damn beautiful but it has gotten so bad and so ridiculous that me going off on this team is it's truly pointless. What are we going? What, what am I going off for? Why? We know that this team is going to be picking either number one or number two. 
in the 2024 NFL Draft. Who will they take at quarterback? Who knows? Will it be Caleb Williams or Drake May or or, or maybe uh, that, that kid out of Oregon, Knicks, or the starting quarterback that plays at, at Washington? Who knows? Who knows? But I think it would be a mistake if the Patriots somehow decide that they are going to stay with Bill Belichick because this is not working. And we all know what the quarterback situation is here in New England. We, we all know that for a fact, that Mac Jones isn't the guy. He's not going to be the – he should not be the starter of the New England Patriots any, any longer. Now, the third point I want to make in terms of the Patriots on this pod is this. Where do the Patriots go from here? Because at this point, we're at a point now that the Patriots, they have absolutely nothing to lose. Zero. The Patriots have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So at this point, I'm going to go on a ledge and say, enough with the bullshit, enough with the games. Start Millie Cunningham on, on Sunday. Again, you have absolutely nothing to lose. See what you have in him. And you're saying, why would you start him? Like, listen, the Patriots, they're not in the business of winning games. They're not trying to win. And I'm pretty sure that that those that watch this team and are fully aware of what's happening and what's currently going down, they're not trying to win games. And neither should they. Because no matter what they do, they're not good enough. So, Bailey Zappi got the start today. And frankly, didn't really move the needle. The offense was just, again, putrid, probably even worse than, than when Mac Jones was under center. That's how bad it was. So, as I said, this Patriots team, they have got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Why the hell not? Start Malik, Malik Cunningham. Because despite that he's number three on your, on your quarterback chart, and, I, and yes, they've been trying to see if he can play wide receiver. On this team, I get all of that. Fine. I get it. But see what you got. You're not trying to win. This team is not even not even in the window of contention right now. So the point that I'm making is you're at the place of where you need to see what exactly do you have in your quarterback room. The starting quarterback is trash in Mac Jones. Belly Zappi, the guy who in 2022 like, captivated New England with Zappi fever, he's no better of, a, of an option for the Patriots at this moment in time. And Malik Cunningham, the guy who played a number of snaps during the preseason, got my attention. I, I admit it. He got my attention in the preseason. And I said, you know what? There may be something there. But it was a bunch of guys who didn't even make an NFL roster and probably are somewhere stocking shelves at Walmart or something. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not talking down to people who do that. But what I'm saying is this, this roster is so devoid of talent that it really has zero chance of winning moving forward for the remainder of this season that this team has absolutely nothing to lose by starting Malik Cunningham. See what you got. Because what, what are you going to get from starting Bailey Zappi again? 
I'd love to hear. Like, what exactly do you have to lose? Because you're you're facing the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. A Steelers team that's going to be coming into the game hungry as they fight for a playoff spot in the, uh, in the AFC. So, you got nothing to lose. Start, start Malik Cunningham. So, with all of that being said, I want to take a quick break here. And coming up next, I want to share with you a thought that I have on the Boston Bruins, you know, sneaking some Celtics talk as well here on this podcast. That much more coming up next. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. I'm happy to be doing this show here with you as this podcast is all about Boston sports. And, you know, sprinkling a little bit of, you know, entertainment as well along the way. Hope you enjoy it. You know, subscribe to the pod. Get it wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to it on, on TuneIn Radio as well. And, and you know, I hope that, you know, like this this makes you think. I hope it makes you laugh. You know, everything, a little bit of everything, you know, and, and so forth. And, like, right now, it's just an interesting time in, in Boston sports because the Celtics, They've they have played like the best team in the NBA, and I'll get get I get to them just just a little later on towards the end of the pod. The Bruins, for a significant portion of the season, they were the number one team in terms of the standings in the NHL. Not anymore. That distinction belongs to the New York Rangers, and this Bruins team. The more I watch them, and the more I I, I pay attention to you know, how they have looked and how they've played. It wasn't until Saturday night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs that that I began to feel a little better about things, about where this team is heading, how this team has looked. But I want to really um, nitpick because, after all, Boston sports, by and large part, is really about the nitpicking it doesn't matter how well a team is playing. There's always something to find fault in. And I'm going to play that role right now. I think that the Boston Bruins have a really, really bad habit that they need to absolutely get rid of, destroy, etc. Whatever other way that you want to describe it, they need to do away with it. And that is... They have a bad habit of giving up last-minute or last-second goals late in games. And it manifested itself again on Saturday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a game in which the Bruins won in overtime 4-3, thanks to the heroics of one Brad Marchand, captain of the Boston Bruins. But why am I focusing on the bad habit that the, that the Bruins have in terms of blowing late leads, blowing leads late in games, because this is an area of concern for the Boston Bruins that I think that if they are not careful, this can and will come back and bite them in the ass. It nearly did Saturday night, but it's been a, a disturbing trend that the Bruins have had at certain points um, during during the season, and it even goes back to 
like it goes back to last season or, or even a little bit before that. But it's been a it's been a trend for for a while. But I want to stay specifically to this season, and that is the fact that that when the when the Bruins have leads late in games, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but it seems like this is the time that they want to take the foot off the gas. Like, can we not? Can the Bruins not take the foot off the gas, please? Because for a team that is supposed to be among one of the absolute best in the league, they have a bad propensity of making things harder for themselves than what they really need to be. And it's frustrating. It's maddening to watch. Because there will come a point in time, i.e. the Stanley Cup playoffs, where your inability to hold on to, to late leads, the leads late in the game, will come back and hurt you. The Bruins' inability to protect leads late in games is something that I am very concerned about. I am worried because for the Boston Bruins, their, their backbone of this team has been, for, for the last season and a half, has been their goaltending. The blue line last season, position of strength this season, leaves much more to be desired. And it's something that I'm hoping that that Don Sweeney will be able to address at the trade deadline. But that's a conversation for, for a little later down the line. But with that being said, it just seems to me that they, they lack that focus to close out these games, especially when they have leads late in the third period. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why the Bruins have these mental lapses late in games because that's exactly what it is. You push the pace for, let's say, 55 minutes of the 60 minutes in regulation, you get within five minutes remaining in the third period, and it's like, you know what? Eh, we can take our foot out the gas. We got the game in the bag. No, absolutely the hell not. While Austin Matthews is a premier goal-scoring talent in this league, the Maple Leafs had no business tying the game up late in the third period, sending the game into overtime. They had no business doing that. But yet they did. If you remember last season, Game 7, in the first round against Florida, Bruins had a lead, lead in that game, Game 7, at home, and Remember the goal that was scored that was tied up at 50, with 57 seconds remaining, and we all remember how that game ended, and unfortunately, that season ended. But the point that I'm making is this, is, has, this has been a trend now for a while. This is not something that's entirely new. I'm bringing it to the forefront because this is potentially a fatal flaw of this team if they're not, if they're not careful. I don't think it's, it's due to a lack of talent. I think it's a lack of focus. And I think that's a, that's a, re a reflection of the head coach. I want Jim Montgomery to get on their asses about keeping up their level of intensity, their focus from puck drop to the end of the buzzer at the end of regulation with no lapses in between. Because what are the Bruins doing here? 
this is this is a situation and a time in which that I look at the Boston Bruins and I say, despite the fact that right now, as it currently stands, they are leading the Atlantic. They have a five-point cushion between themselves and Florida. This is where things can get a little dicey, especially when they start playing some of the better teams in the league. When you start playing teams like the Rangers, Florida, Carolina, like those are just examples. And you you cannot afford to have these kind of lapses against some of the better teams around the league. And it, it's gonna come back, it's gonna come back to haunt you. So if I'm Jim Montgomery, you gotta be preaching. Focus, 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 finish, finish, finish. Because the Bruins seem to be having trouble finishing late in games, holding on to on, onto these leads late in games. And I think that as far as the Bruins are concerned, this is this is a mental problem with the team. I don't know, I don't understand why is it. I don't think it's just one particular player who who's at fault here. Because it's easy to sit here and point the finger at Olmark or Swayman. But I think it's a little deeper than that. How they defend in their own end, especially letting games. Comes back to the blue line. Is the blue line at fault here? Is the way that the forward group defends it in, in, in their own end? That, those are questions I think that, that are worthy of being asked and worthy of being talked about. Because after all, we are in early December. We haven't hit the dog days of, of the NHL regular season just yet. But it's a disturbing trend that I have noticed and other Bruin fans have noticed that it is worthy of bringing to the, to the, the front of the table and talking about it. So despite the fact that the Bruins, at the time of this recording, they are 16-4-3. There is still areas of concerns that I have that this team is either lacking in or they're insufficient in that can come back and, and, and become an even bigger problem for them come playoff time. Now, as far as the bigger picture is concerned, the Bruins find themselves to be in, in good position. I'm not concerned about that. What I am concerned about is, is how they are going to beef up offensively the bottom six. What I am concerned about is how the Bruins are going to address the physicality front of things, given that Milan Lucic is no longer in, in the picture. What I am concerned about is, is offensively, they are not as deep as they were last year. And there are times where I feel as if that this does show up in games. They need more from their bottom six. And I think that balanced scoring that they had last year, they don't have this season. And I think that there, there's going to come times in which that the Bruins, they are going to be missing that dearly. Coming up next. Just want to share with you a quick uh, Celtics thought before I close out the episode of the Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. 
Welcome back to the Hub of Champions with your host, Shukri Wrights. Hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. Talked Patriots to start the episode, you know, really laying it thick, sort of. They didn't really go on an epic rant at the way that I, I wanted to before, but I said, you know what? Nah, this team is not even worthy of a rant. Like, for what? And then the, the previous segment, I did talk about the Bruins and just, just some of the concerns that I have um, for this team as a currently stands, as they are 16, four and three uh, at the time of this recording. And now I want to conclude the pod by talking about the Celtics a little bit, because, because Friday night was super interesting. They had a game against the Philadelphia 76ers in which that huh, look, I'll be honest with you. The Celtics Sixers game on Friday night definitely lacked a lot of the juice that it had when the two teams met in Philadelphia just a little bit earlier in the season. They did, and and for understandable reason. In case if you may have forgotten, um, Joel Embiid had missed the game um, due to um, illness, and as well as, um, as well as uh, uh, Tyrus Maxey as well. They, like they missed, they missed the game, uh, and so without Maxi and Joel Embiid, who have both played themselves into a level of being one of the best scoring duos in the NBA. It just wasn't the same kind of juice and anticipation in terms of offensive um, matchups and showdowns, you know, such as, you know, Tatum versus Brown, Embiid and, or versus uh, Embiid and Maxi, and so forth. The, it just didn't have that same juice. It didn't say, it didn't have the same bite, but what it did have was a prelude as to the kind of resolve that the Boston Celtics did have. Um, especially when you, when you begin to just reflect on how this team was able to find a way to win without Jason Tatum, who, who had a pretty interesting um, ejection from the game on Friday and wish that yeah, I didn't think he did anything wrong. I just thought that he just had a moment with the with the refs and the referee said, you know what, we're 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 a little uh, sensitive tonight, so we're just gonna throw you out of the game. And um <laughs> and there's a there's a quote that stood out to me from Friday night's game that Tatum said, quote, I don't know, maybe they didn't want me to play tonight. There was eager to get me out of there. I walked back calmly. I sat in my chair, got some ice. I was not mad. I did not throw anything. It was like a joke. I had to laugh it off. So, no, I didn't cry. I didn't throw anything. I got my eyes and watched the rest of the game, watched us win. It was funny because that quote, because, you know, you have your fans that are out there that, that are full-blown conspiracy theorists, especially when it comes to the NBA. And given that that game was already lacking star talent, as I mentioned, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid missing the game for the Sixers. And now Tatum being thrown out of a game for reasons that truly makes absolutely no sense. He didn't do anything wrong that would warrant him to get ejected. That just left many people wondering, hmm, I guess an eye for an eye after all. Sixers don't have two of their two of their best players. Well, we got to find a way to, to, to get rid of the Celtics, one of their best players. And it happens to be Tatum, who happens to be one of the best young superstars in the NBA. Coincidence? Nah, I don't think so. But what I will tell you is that the Celtics finding a way to win without Tatum on the on the floor, especially, especially like 
when the lead slipped away in the fourth quarter and Tatum is the guy that's that's leaned on by head coach Joe Mazzula to you know to, to you know settle things down for the Celtics offensively and, and it provided offensive spark for this team. That option wasn't available. But you talk about how Drew Holiday and Al Horford was able to step up in the game. That, that kind of told me something. I thought it was just interesting to watch how some of the other guys on the team, the other veterans on this team, stepped up and said, hey, you know what? We got to step up and do our jobs, and we're, and we're going to execute offensively. And they did exactly just that. And I thought that was a really encouraging sign because there are times in which that, God forbid, Tatum or Brown, they might be injured, and you need someone that's going to be able to, to step up, or you need that particular group to be able to step up and step up huge in this game. So for me, watching Al Horford, watching Drew Holiday, Peyton Pritchard um, came up huge late in the game as well, coming off the bench. I thought that it was super important. I thought it was super important in which that the Celtics were able to find other sources of offense that was able to step up huge for this team. And Celtics showed you something. There's a lot to like from like from the Celtics based on what you've seen, based on what I've seen. I mean, right now, 15-4, and four, best record in the NBA. They're 8-2 and two in the last 10 games. But the thing that I really like a lot from this, uh, from what I've seen is their resolve. They're resolving their commitment to finding a way to win on a, on a consistent nightly basis. And that is what's going to serve them well come the postseason. And that's, and that's really where it's going to all come down to, especially for Tatum and Brown. What do they do come the um, come the postseason? And I thought that Kendrick Perkins, Celtics, um, Celtics um, legend, so to speak, he he really made an interesting point when I was watching on the NBA um, countdown the other day, and he was saying that he didn't really believe in the Celtics. And I said, "Oh, that's interesting," and he explained why Be- because he said, "quote," and I'm paraphrasing here. I've seen this song and dance too many times with Tatum and Brown. What they ultimately um, do and how they're going to be judged is based on what they do in the the postseason, especially Jalen Brown. He can't turn over the basketball seven to eight times um, during a game and expect to win. And that, I thought, was actually pretty spot on. So right now, it's good. It's dandy. What the Celtics are doing, what Tatum and Brown are doing, how the team's able to, to galvanize after Tatum is able to Tatum was um, ejected from the game. But ultimately, how they're going to be judged is what they do come the postseason, and that is what I'm looking forward to seeing the most. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Hub of Champions with your host, Shikri Wright. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hit me up on socials. Hit me up on Twitter, known as X now, at Shukri Wright, at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S, Instagram, Radio underscore, and as well as on TikTok at Shukri Writes. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Be on the lookout for when the next episode drops. I'll talk to you again next time. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.